Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, the finance sector has been one of the economic leaders over the past few years. Companies have seemingly been hiring as many workers as they possibly could. We've heard a lot about talent shortages. And it isn't just the sector itself. Workers with skills and financial analysis have been in hot demand in all kinds of sectors, and it seems like that isn't really slowing down. And even if the economy slows down a little bit, we know we'll need those skills. That said, we know technology is changing things up. It's disrupting everything. And there are reasons to think that both the nature of jobs and finance, and maybe the number of them, will shift in future. Now, I'm really interested in how demand for workers in finance is changing and whether we're training enough people to fill our needs or whether there's going to be a mismatch in terms of who we have ready to work and what industries companies will require. That's why I'm really happy to be joined on this episode by Rebecca Fender. Now, Rebecca is Head of Strategy and Governance for Research, Advocacy, and Standards for the CFA Research Institute. Now, CFA stands for Certified Financial Analyst. And as you may or may not know, that's a very respected designation. It takes passing a series of tests, and they're considered pretty difficult tests, difficult exams. People study hard to get this designation. And it is, as I said, very well thought of in the industry. So it's kind of a proxy for finance skills and high-level finance skills and what happens to those jobs, that group of people, will tell us a lot about the sector in general. Now, the CFA Institute has put out a new study on careers and investment management, and it looks at the issues that are impacting finance careers more widely. So I talked about all of that with Rebecca. It was really interesting. The disruption part of it is always interesting to see how that's playing out on skills, how AI is changing things up. And we talked about how workers are going to need a new set of skills if they're going to thrive in this industry and companies, organizations are going to have to support that. So it was a really interesting conversation about the future of work in finance and by extension about the future of work in general. Please stay with us to hear it. Well, how are careers in finance changing and what skills will be needed as we move forward? To talk about that, I'm joined today by Rebecca Fender. She's Head of Strategy and Governance for Research Advocacy and Standards for CFA Institute. Rebecca, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You know what? I want to talk about a lot of things. Uh, You have a really interesting paper you've put out and there's some pretty contentious, interesting topics there. But I always like to start by asking my guests about their own careers. Like, how did you end up doing what you're doing and having the role you have within finance? Well, I studied economics as an undergrad. And so figured the thing I should do after that is go to New York City. And so I did. And I um, got a job at what was then a small asset management firm called BlackRock. It was a little bit of a risk, in fact, to go to a smaller organization. And of course, since then, it's become the largest asset manager in the world. But while I was there, uh, I needed to continue to learn. And one of the things I did was I took the CFA exam and got my CFA charter. And then after business school, wound up um, at the CFA Institute working on various topics. So um, as I've been at CFA Institute, I have thought about what are the trends for the future of the industry and what matters most for our global network of now close to 200,000 members around the world. 
Well, let's back up a little bit. Not everyone knows what a CFA is. Uh, just explain, you know, who ends up doing this and what they need to do to get that designation. Sure. So the CFA program is a three-level exam and takes uh, quite a number of years or quite a number of hours of study. Um, many people take it then to become a portfolio manager or, or an analyst in the asset management industry. So um, you might think of the again, the buy side of the industry as those who, people who are helping with pension funds, or if you have a 401k, somebody who is managing that is likely to have a CFA charter. Um, and then the other side of the street, if you will, is the, the sell side and the investment banking analysts. Both sides actually like the CFA program because it gives you analytical capabilities. So you think about what does it take to um, analyze a company and then put it together in a portfolio that makes sense for different types of clients. So when we talk about where CFAs work, it's in finance, but also in other parts of the industry, correct? Like besides investment firms, per se. Yeah, I would say more and more. So uh, I think historically, we probably had a few types of roles that we tended to focus on, like I said, portfolio managers and analysts. But what we've seen over time is that these skills are so useful in all corners of the um, really of the marketplace. So we see people in corporate finance, in big companies around the world. Um, it's a very good foundational basis to then do many other things that involve finance. So it's really a proxy for finance jobs, right? So if we figure out where the demand is for CFAs and where things are changing, we kind of get an idea of what's going on and within the industry. And so I found your paper really interesting. Tell us about that. What prompted it and what you covered? Sure. Well, we've been looking at trends in uh, skills and learning for those in the investment industry for a while. And, uh, and of course, in the last couple of years, there's been a bigger emphasis on all the disruption to work. Just as we've seen where work has changed and the whole hybrid model is very much uh, front and center in this industry. Um, we've thought about how there are differences in the culture of organizations, how firms are adapting to um, new ways of working, a new generation that is very influential in the industry. And then um, most importantly, again, what does it take to succeed in this industry? So as we think about not only our membership, but others who would like to be in this industry, what do you need to succeed? So those were the motivations behind this paper. Yeah, lots of disruptors. I mean, you mentioned work and models of work, but there's also technology. Even if we didn't change hybrid, there's things changing around us. That's one of the things you looked at as well, correct? Indeed. Um, so artificial intelligence is one of those areas within technology that we've um, done quite a bit of research on and, and also looked at different case studies. What do firms really mean when they talk about using artificial intelligence? We've seen very interesting ways that organizations are using new types of data. So uh, again, several decades ago, we sort of had a, a fixed amount of um, data types that we would use to do our calculations and so forth. But now with social media and sentiment indicators and all you know, uh, cameras on, all over the world, we can figure out so many different things. And so it's a really exciting time to think about new ways of doing analysis. And we're incorporating more and more of that into what we have in the exam, and then also other specialty products as, as people learn to get go deeper into this. How will it change jobs as you use more AI? Well, we like to think of it that there's sort of a hierarchy of technology impacts it. So think of like, a, think of a pyramid. So at the bottom of the pyramid, 
that broadest base, everyone in the industry is going to have to get much more comfortable with technology. So just being very fluent in technology is a must have. And so no matter where you are in your career, you have to commit to that. Then in the middle phase, it's a slightly smaller group then that has to think about uh, what some are concerned around um, uh, displacement or job substitution. Um, what we think about there is how much are jobs changing? So we've, we've actually surveyed our membership uh, both in 2019 and now more recently to see a compare and contrast. And more than a third of our members expect substantial change in their type of job in the next five to 10 years. A lot of this goes back to data because uh, say you had a job where you were really expected to collect data, make sure it's good data, high quality and so forth. That might've taken a lot of your time and you wouldn't have very much time then to actually do the judgment, but that's the fun part to get to analyze it. So more and more we're seeing that that jobs that had perhaps been a little bit more mundane in the past are much more interesting in terms of analysis now. So there may be some um, tech substitution in some of these roles, but for the most part, they just are gonna be more interesting jobs. And you'll probably wind up having data scientists on your team, but you won't necessarily have to be the data scientist yourself. And then the third level at the top of the pyramid is for those people who want to be the dual um, skilled, investment professional and uh, data analyst. And so there are some jobs like that, but it's very difficult to be equally expert in both. So, okay, when you look forward, do we need the same kind of skills? Do we need different skills? Are you looking for different people? If you're going to hire, hire somebody now and think they're going to be here in five years or 10 years, who are you looking for now? Well, the biggest change is that there is more demand for people to make connections between the areas. So I would say at the start of one's career, technical skills are always the most important. You have to know the basics, you have to know those fundamentals. Um, and so, but what we also find is that the people coming into the CFA program, that, that test, are from more diverse backgrounds. So they're not just necessarily learning finance and economics. That was, um, the people who, who were in sort of non-traditional pathways, were about um, only about a third of the total group, if you look back, say, 30 years ago. Today, about half come from less traditional backgrounds. And so we think that makes sense because you do need to make these connections. So think about other areas like sustainability. We know that you need to have more of a systems level thinking. You need to be able to make connections. Um, if you talk about environmental and social and governance issues, um, there may be factors that even compete with each other within that framework. So um, understanding the different sources of data, under, being able to go talk with a scientist or talk with somebody in uh, more of the AI field and, and translate it to the rest of your colleagues, those are the types of skills that are going to be more and more important. Um, and we call them in our paper T-shaped skills. So if you think of the letter T, you've got a vertical bar of, of that letter T, which is deep subject matter expertise. And then across the top, that horizontal bar is about making connections across disciplines and then bringing the two together. That's what hiring managers say will be the most important going forward. Well, that's interesting because that means you are looking for people who've got, as you say, diverse backgrounds, interesting backgrounds. Are you finding enough of them who have the technical skills as well as, you know, maybe the ability to think a little differently? Yeah, I would say that it's 
everyone's learning along the way. And so to the, to the extent that we're looking at the pipeline of people coming into the industry, uh, there are certainly universities that have new programs and so forth. But one thing we also hear from, uh, from our, the employers of, of our membership is that they're not just looking to, say, buy new talent. Let's go to the marketplace and see what's out there. But they're realizing they have to build a lot of it internally because these are quickly evolving areas. And so the supply just isn't there. So we looked a lot at the supply and demand of different skills and particularly around, again, artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, sustainability and um, you know, DeFi, crypto, things like that. There's just huge gaps in terms of the, the demand versus the supply. And you mentioned that there will be sort of industry training? Because that's not really the norm, right? In North America, there hasn't tended to be a whole lot of training once the person's hired. Mm. Well, yeah, another finding that I thought was particularly interesting was when we asked our members, how important is it to you to continue to learn? I mean, we, we believe in continuing education, but we found 91% of our members said, it's really essential for me to develop my career to keep learning. And I would say that to anyone uh, listening, who's interested in this industry, it's just continuous learning. But they also said, less than half of them said that they felt like their employer supported them enough in that. And that could be either through formal training or things like mentorship and learning on the job, because that, of course, is a big part of, of learning, just being with colleagues. And that, that's also been a little bit more challenging, sometimes in a hybrid environment. Yeah, it's something I've been hearing more and more. I actually had a guest on this quite recently. He said, when you talk about the great resignation, one of the things that keeps people at their jobs is if they feel they're being supported in learning. And it's interesting you see that across industries. Okay, let's talk about the model of work. You mentioned hybrid and, you know, we're changing things up. But what about hiring? Is all the hiring for jobs or are there more contracts, more people working independently? Or is that something you see not happening for this industry? Yeah, I would say that we haven't seen as much of the contract work, but that also we also haven't looked at it as deeply as a specific research topic. I think um, one of the things that uh, characterizes the, the culture of the industry is that um, people want stability in their investment teams. And so to have more of a gig economy sort of doesn't naturally fit with that. But I will say that there's been a huge shift in terms of flexibility in the industry. So uh, yeah, five five years ago, even I would say, not that many organizations were actively supporting flexible work, or um, so whether it was time of day or location. Uh, but now, overwhelming majority of investment firms say that this is the norm. So I think that's great too, because you don't have to just be the exception to the rule. It's more a discussion around what will work best. That's interesting. Okay, so. We're moving forward. We need different skills. We're going to change jobs. Do we have the right leadership for this? Well, I will say that it's a more challenging time now to be a leader in the investment industry than it has been in the past. And so some of the expectations for leaders have changed. And um, when we look at different job roles and who is expecting the most change in the future, CEOs are, are toward the top. So CEOs, chief investment officers, um, a lot of the rules of the game have changed. So it's not just about, again, the hybrid model, but infusing a culture through that. And then layer on top of that, some of these huge shifts, like 
technology and sustainability that we talked about, which you can't solve those uh, new ways of working with just one new person that you hire or even a team. It's about integrating that into everything you do. So, um, so I think we're seeing some good leadership in the industry and in the those who recognize that that's what's coming. So you have the leadership or you have leadership changing. If you're giving advice to HR or organizations in general about going forward and having a strategic plan, what's the advice you'd give them? I think that it's important for organizations to recognize that they can differentiate themselves by supporting their employees through a learning plan. And so uh, one of the things that we've developed is a um, a competency framework or a skills, career skills framework, we call it. And so what that does is it looks at different types of jobs in the industry and different skills. And you can think of that as a matrix. And it shows you if you want to move from one position to the next, what are the things you need to do along the way? And so developing these pathways is a really great way to give people um, the tools they need to help participate in their ongoing development. So I think uh, that for HR to to focus a little bit more on how they do support employees will be a way they can differentiate themselves. And if you're talking to an individual who's considering a career in this field, maybe somebody younger or somebody switching, what's your advice to them? My advice would be, this is a great career if you want to think about how the world works and impact it because investments that we make change what happens in the world. And so people who are in this industry are really passionate about it. They're intellectually curious and they always want to figure out what's the next thing happening. So if that sounds like you, this could be a great fit. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Rebecca Fenders is Head of Strategy and Governance for Research, Advocacy and Standards for the CFA Institute. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Rebecca and about her work, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did like this discussion about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That will help people find us and will help us keep these conversations going. Thanks so much for listening today. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.